Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host coming off another Victory Monday, the second of the season, and I am joined once again by a member of the 1991 Detroit Lions, the last Detroit Lions team to win a playoff game. Funnily enough, he was an all-pro in that 91 season, went on to play for the Browns, the Raiders, and the Minnesota Vikings. He, of 197 NFL games, it's Jerry Reckon Ball. How's it going, Jerry? Oh, man, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm happy to talk to you. I'm happy coming off of victory. It's a good time to be a Lions fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I tell you what, they look like a good team, you know, this past, you know, Sunday. And I'll tell you, it really surprised me. I I didn't pick the lines and maybe that might have been the charm, right? <laughs> you know, maybe. And but I tell you, you know, they played some good football on both sides of the ball, you know, for it being Arizona and Stymian, you know, the, the quarterback and not really letting their offense get a, a good rhythm. Aaron Glenn had a great, a great concept and a good a good approach. I tell you, kudos to them and Coach Cam. Well, it's almost like Jerry had the reverse jinx. You said that they were going to lose by 21. 21. I said that. I did. I did. So I guess I guess they heard that and, and used it as motivation and like the hell with ball. <laughs> <laughs> and the Cardinals, they were favored by 13 by our friends over on betonline.ag. They score 12 points. They don't even get to 13 on the day. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I and you know, really, I should have given Aaron more, more credit that he truly understands football. But you know, I tell you, you know, again, they they played a great game. You know, I, I can't I can't knock. There's a couple of plays here and there, but the overall, they played winning percentage football, and what that means is that they won more plays than they lost. And you can always go back and there's always flaws and plays that you would like to have back. But that was a complete football game. It felt like from start to finish, it was fun to be a Lions fan. Yeah. Yeah. And Jared had a lot of confidence and you could see it. If you look at how he played, how his feet were set when he was throwing, he was more comfortable than I've seen him all year. Tell you the truth. You know, so I, I, whatever it was they tapped into, that's where they need to keep that level of connectivity, you know, tap, stay in that, 
because they literally look like a good football team. And and I also make another observation. You know, the Lions have played good ball all year here and there. And then sometimes they just fell off the cliff. You know, some of it was coaching them. You know, so I don't really just put it all on the players, but I will say that for it being December, he's got his team on an incline at the end of the season, which means that if they would have been in playoff contention, they could hit a rhythm that take them into a playoff run. So now what they have to do is take care of the first part of the season. And you talk about how you can break the season into quarters. If you look at the last quarter that we've been through, the last four games, nine touchdowns from Jared Goff, only two interceptions. He's playing winning football. Lions yeah. are two and two and one over their last three games, two, two and one over their last five. And hopefully, if you've been betting on the Lions, you've been using betonline.ag because they are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the rest of the NBA season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 and 2022 seasons. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And after this game started and ended, I think Dan Campbell has sealed his future with the Lions for at least another year. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that um, the organization has done, they've hooked themselves to Dan Campbell, and that's the direction they want to go. I actually. Um, Dad did an interview with Chris with ESPN and it kind of spoke to his role and he was actually offered the general manager job, he said. Or, or, really? or, yeah, he was offered an opportunity to interview for the general manager's job and he told turned it down and told him he wasn't qualified, but he would help. Rob Woods made the overture. And then, you know, but in his role and the things that were decided he was very instrumental in those guys. And I think the one thing that they're allowing Chris to do is set kind of the paradigm shift of what they have decided. This is who we want to be as an organization. And Dan is one of the guys that Dan actually, you know, Chris was very involved in that hire. That's, that was said, that was an article that was, specifically talking about Chris's role and they actually broke down exactly what his, he, he's doing. He spoke to it. He sits down with the owner GM and coach every Tuesday, you know, to talk about the previous week. 
So the good thing is that they have a football mind in there. So, yes, I do believe Coach Campbell is safe because in order to really make this, you got to commit and you got to take the lumps with it. And that's just part of where they are now. You know, and I think if if they can get all of the right pieces and stuff and play at least at the level Coach Campbell talks about, the Lions can definitely be a, a playoff team next year. But again, they have given a vote of confidence in, in, in the progress of where they're trying to go. I agree with that completely. And if we had lost the rest of the season, there would be a conversation what happens next. But when you're playing that hard in December as a one win at the time team against the best team at the time in the NFL, that yeah. takes heart. And what you mentioned with Chris turning down the GM job, that takes a little bit of humility too. That's yeah, yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. And, and I, I and I probably stronger, probably said it stronger than the way that he said it. He said that Rod Wood offered asked him if he wanted to interview for the GM job. To me, going to him that way, they had decided to make him GM if he wanted that. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and, and the likelihood of that is because of the simple fact that even after he turned it down, he still had that role dealing and, and working directly with the owner, Roy Woods, head coach, and GM. He's still at that level. So why wouldn't he be the GM? You know what I mean? If they're offering him, because if he turned around and helped them pick the very people, then he just acted as the GM. <laughs> exactly. It's very much, it sounds a lot like John Elway in Denver, where it was, he took the GM job. Now he's been moved to the front office, but it yeah. sounds like he's the guy. They love him. They trust him. They're going to go well, with him. That is a fact. Everything that you said, they love Chris Spielman. You know, and Chris has been good for the organization, you know, in the way that they, you know, wanted him. And, um, you know, it's it's clear, you know, and it's it, it's it's clear. I mean, real clear. It is. It really is. And we have a clear direction for the Lions going forward now, which is just a nice thing coming off the Matt Patricia era. So I'm excited. But before we start talking about the rest of the stuff, I got to know. Does anyone win any fragrances, any awards from this past week? <laughs> hey, listen, the whole team, you know, should actually get, I think the fragrance, uh, uh, man, you know what? I, I didn't have the bottle with me, but we're going to bring it to the top shelf. You know, I, I've told Woo! you before. You know, there's different levels. It's more affordable. Then there's the designer stuff, you know, with all the name brand. But I'm going to go with a niche type fragrance and stuff. And we're going to call them Baccarat Rouge 540 Ooh. by Mason Kirk John. About $400 a bottle. <laughs> After a they were smelling like good. They were smelling good. They were. They deserve it. They deserve all $400 of that beautiful yep. smelling bottle. Yep, yep. And talking about players who deserve a little something, 
the Pro Bowl was announced last night. And during your time in the NFL, the Pro Bowl was voted on by the coaches, the GMs, the players. Now we have the fan vote. And I think it's nice to include the fans, but when it comes to certain positions, they have no idea what they're talking about. At all. At all. At all. And when you look at it, zero Detroit Lions made the Pro Bowl, which feels like a crime. DeAndre Swift, not a Pro Bowler? That's illegal. Well, but, you know, when you look at the entirety of the season, he being in and out and stuff, you know, one of the things about, you know, the Pro Bowl, well, it's it becomes a popularity contest with the fans, right? Yeah. So yeah. if all the fans are not a DeAndre Swift fan, they're not going to vote for him. They're going to probably vote for their team running back, but they're going to observe what other backs out there doing it. So when you look at, you know, how it was when we came, well, when we came through, it was only voted by the players, personnel, and coaches, which, you know, is taking a professional perspective, people that is in the business, in the trade, understand what they're looking at. Also, comparing it to other players to know what he does that makes him more exceptional than this guy. Whereas now, and and you have no fan vote, so that when when the players and that system was in place, this is when the NFL was putting the very best players forward. Now, when they made the actual change to give the fans 50% of the power of the vote. Now you're talking about social media, popularity, a guy, you know, comes from Oklahoma or Alabama. It brings all those fans with them and they're going to vote on him regardless just because he went to Alabama. Now, when you compare, say, um, let's take, uh, the big back out of Tennessee Derek from Alabama. Yeah, Derek. it's clear that he's a superlative. So he being from Alabama is just a plus, right? Yeah. But, but then you take another back from Alabama that's out there, that's on the team. Does he get the same votes as Henry with the Alabama contention? Nope, but he's going to get some. Why? Because he went to Alabama. So it becomes a popularity concert. And then fans distort based on what the commentary, the analysts, and everyone is speaking of because no one is watching every game to compare but the players, but the coaches, but the personnel people. Even when you're not playing a team, you get to see the other team play against them when you're breaking down film. So there's always this comparable analysis of what they did in, in play. But then when you break it down, you say, damn, man, you see what Reggie White did to him on that play? Damn. Did you see Mike Singletary? Damn. Did you see Barry Sanders? That means everybody that watched that game, every personnel person that watched that game is saying the same damn thing. It's jumping off the screen. And you can see it. Not someone telling you. 
and the television perspective until they actually go to slow-mo, you don't really understand strategy. Now, when you see slow motion, now you see the games of the interior linemen. You see the linebacker where his eyes were looking back at the quarterback, seeing where he's looking. That's when you see that. But when you look at it at game speed, you don't see that. And you know, game angle too. I the love angle. the all twenty-two where you get to see from behind the play and yeah. the one-on-one matchups on the defensive line. It's a thing of beauty. It's a war down there. It, it really is, and and it's um, you know, we, we the behind view is getting everybody in the box. That means the linebackers and the linemen, right? Yeah. Now, now when you get everybody in the box. Now the defense can really see, the linebackers can really see if they took a false step or if they was too wide on the game or those type of things. So though that's where a lot of coaching take place. And now because the difference between how we responded on the sideline and how things are now is that we had to wait like a fax machine and they would send pictures so that we could see in the very last series, if we're sitting there long enough, unless it's a sudden change, like a turnover, we would get pictures to see where everybody was lined up. We get pictures to see the first two, three steps to see what the guy did on his initial move. And then the coaching point is made. Now they should just stream straight to a little laptop and shit they can play that shit back just like we looking at it in replay tv totally different to being able to make those adjustments but even in the coaching aspects a coach only puts you in positions alignments and assignment it's what you do and people understanding what you're being asked to do that actually gives you the nod to say damn he does that better than the other guy you know you t- talk about one guy like a reggie white that could play the run and rush the passer, and then you compare him to Bruce Smith. That Bruce Smith was known for actually being a pass rusher, but Bruce Smith could play the run just as well as Reggie. And that part of it, people wouldn't, because you didn't look for him to do that. You look for him for the sack. But you weren't paying attention to the other stuff. So it's just a different eye. It is. And when you're a Jerry Ball playing nose tackle, playing all these guards and centers, you can appreciate a Randall McDaniel and say, yeah, yeah. that man is a pro bowler. Kevin Glover, yeah. he's a pro bowler. Yeah. So it's those kinds of things that I kind of miss. And we still do have the all pro voting coming in. That is voted on a little bit more by people who are yeah. watching it all. But Still, it's disappointing. No Panay Sewell to the Pro Bowl. No Amani Oruwarie, even though he's third in the NFL in interceptions. Yeah, I, I thought the DB would have gotten a nod. But I tell you what, he, here's the real, I think uh, Penny is going to definitely be on the rookie team. He, yeah. Here's one of the distinctions that we really need to make between the Pro Bowl and all pro. You see, a lot of players and people just in general public will say, hey, hey, you know, um, tonight we have a special guest coming in and we're going to have NFL All-Pro, such and such, such. And that person has never been All-Pro. Yeah. 
but they use it as a promotional type deal. The difference between all pro and pro bowl is very simple. <laughs> all pro considers every player, regardless of conference, regardless of record, they are the very best out of everyone that actually puts on a uniform that year. Making the Pro Bowl is easier oh, yeah. than being all pro. When you're all pro, that means that it's very clear that you was the best running back this year. You were the best fullback. You were the best center. You were the best two guards. And it ain't no, you know, they got a second team, but the 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 nod is being considered all pro. And I I was all pro one year and second team another year. Okay. But a lot of fans don't know that's a that's the difference between saying all pro and pro bowl. You know, that's a very different difference. And after all pro, you get enough of those, then it's Hall of Fame. <laughs> Hall of Fame, all decade, all yeah, history. Yeah, yeah. Well, once you do Hall of Fame, though, you in the immortality, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And this is coming from a man who's made three Pro Bowls, who made yeah. a first-team All-Pro. You know how hard it is to accomplish very, that. Very. It's very, it's very hard to even be considered back in our day just to make it to the Pro Bowl. You had this is literally how it was a rite of passage to the Pro Bowl. We ain't even talking to you about no all pro. First thing you have to do is show everybody that consistently you are that guy. A guy like Reggie White and Barry Sanders and Randy Moss that come in every rookie year and they light that shit up and become all pro, that don't happen often. No. I don't care who you pull out. Some of those players became all pros as they perfected and as the league seen those guys consistently perform at the highest level. At the Pro Bowl level, shit, you had to do it two years in a row before you would even get a vote from most players. Be like, well, he a rookie. You don't know shit. Really? You know, come back. To, yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't no. That's why you couldn't just walk and say, hey, you, I, I want to be a pro bowler and, you know, and, and your team will that shit for you. No. No, you back in those days, the players, personnel, GM, and coaches voted. But the players have the most votes. So it was the players saying who was the best player. You get what I'm saying? The I other people vote, but the players have the overwhelming vote during those days on who was in the Pro Bowl. And you and what would be crazy sometimes is that you might have a guy that didn't make the Pro Bowl. But he might be on second, third team, all pro. Yep. You know, because it's not that he didn't have a good year. It's that, hell, Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Chris Carter had better year. 
But for what that guy did for his team, he made just as big of impact Isaac Bruce, as an example. See what I'm saying? Yeah. You know? There's all these little ins and out of the voting process and who makes it and why. And it's it's interesting. There's it a is. lot of moving parts. It is now. It's even more now. But back in those days, it was kind of clear cut. You know, they come in with the sheet, you vote. And, and in some places, like you would have like the offensive line, they sit there and they tell us, hey, he was better than him. He was better than him. Who did y'all pick for defensive tackle? And then what happens is, shit, the guys that we play with on our team, if they tell us that's the guy, then that shit, that's who we vote for. That's I the other like thing. that. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah, yeah. That that so when we saying players decided, no, really. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. how that process went. You know, they give you the sheet, and some people, and we sit there just like you, you know, if you everybody had to fill in their forms before they seen the doctor, that's what it looked like in the room. Everybody's filling out shit. Hey, who safety man, who y'all got who did y'all look at, Randy? Or uh, such and such, and then they're, they're debated openly. That, those conversations would have been fascinating to sit in. Just a debate over the merits of different players. Yeah. And, and, and the player still has the right to vote for who he wants. But it's open so that you understand, okay, we, didn't, we don't play offense, so we don't get to see that perspective. But we, hey, Lomas, who's the best DN this year in the NFC that you went against? Because they don't matter about in a conference. He can tell us, like, yeah, such and such. All he could tell us, man, oh, boy, kicking ass, man. We ain't played him, but y'all need to check him out. Like, you take, like, a Javon Curse when he came ooh, in. Ooh, yeah. Javon Curse yeah. was a freak, but he came in and he benefited from the change in that system. Because when you would see Javon Curse making plays, it's the highlight plays of the sack. But then when you come back and watch him under film, the way we look at him, we see he don't have no technique. Same with J.J. Watt. Now, a lot of people might not want to hear that because they're fans of those players. But when we go into the technical aspects of looking at what one does well and what he does good, you'll see that Javon didn't have technique as his strong point. J.J. Watt did not have technique as his strong points. And what that means is that they have struggles when the blocker gets on them, getting them off. But you wouldn't see that because you only get the highlight of him making the sack. And that gives him his push. But when if you and, and listen, and I ain't trying to be critical of that game, but as an example, like when I'm looking at it on TV, I could see it, but I know a lot of people don't see it. But if you look at it in the football world, you'll see that when teams run away from JJ Watt, as an example, he's a beast, but when you run directly at him, he's like a top spinning because he his technique is not well enough where he can defeat the man that he ends up still trying to hit the gap through the man and the man body is already on him. So now they just turning him and he's turning like a top and they running directly at him. 
but you don't see that. And you don't know that his technique ain't sound. And that's what makes Aaron Donald so impressive because there's guys like J.J. Watt who they get by just being a physical freak. He is just a better athlete than everyone. Don't run by you. Aaron Donald, he's a better athlete than anyone, but he's got better technique than anyone too. Clear cut. That you couldn't have made it no clearer than that. That is a clear cut example. He can play through the man or run through the gap. That's and he's strong as an oxen. Yeah, he'll run your ass over. <laughs> and that's what I think. Personally. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that is what leads to longevity in your career on the interior defensive line because those physical gifts fade. The technique does not. That's correct. I can tell you point blank. You know the time that I came back and played. After retiring and sitting on the couch all offseason, never running, literally went from the last game of the season, didn't work out till the fourth game of the next season is when I went back to play. And I was so out of shape. I was like asking my damn self, boy, what are you doing out here? But when I would get over that center, it was my technique that would allow me to still be able to play at the level of the pro level until I could get in shape. It wasn't that I was in physical shape. It's that I had technique. And my technique of being able to plug the hole didn't call for me being athletic like Johnny or J.J. Watt, let's say. It called for me to hold the point of attack so that they can't run up the middle, and I did that with technique. You know, and that's what made it. And that allowed me to play and extend three more years on a career. Wasn't because I was the same Jerry Ball in 91. (laughs) It was the technique that from, I would say from my, other than being like a player coach on some teams, because I can say that, and some of my teammates that wasn't in the meeting rooms wouldn't understand it. But I would go up there on Sundays and that Sundays on Tuesdays and sit with the coaches and break down film. And then when I would see certain things and we have our first defensive meeting, you know, the offensive defensive coordinator and all position coaches are all in the room. And when the coordinator going over certain things, things that we talked about, I would make a point. Hey, hey, hold it right there, folks. I say, hey, when this wide out does such, such, and I'm the nose guard talking to them about the wide out, but I'm looking at the tendencies. I'm looking at the stats. I'm looking at the sheet compared. When they run this play on film, there's a statistician that has showed us that every time in this formation in third and four, they normally do this 77% of the time they're going to run to the right. Or it might be, hey, at this point when they got this formation, and what I'm doing is I'm matching the formation with the actual thing we're seeing on film, but I'm showing the differences whereas, hey, look, hey, DBs, if you see this tackle come up and he look inside and never look outside, this is when they go that way. Because as a lineman, I'm looking at what the guy does when they're coming up to run the ball, what what, what his splits are in between each player. Sometimes you might see the guard and tackle got a tight split, and between the guard and the center is a wide split. Well, you don't see that from the side. You see that from this angle. Now, why would they do that? 
because they might want to pin that guy on the end so the tackle and the guard to get closer to work together so that they can pin him and then go up to the second level. But you would see that in their splits. You wouldn't see that in necessarily what they're doing. And those are the type of things that we see and we know. But technique is what's going to allow you to execute once you see, hey, and you don't play plays. Let me just say this again, because part of the technique aspects is understanding your alignments and assignments. But once you have this information from the, the, the tendencies or the probabilities of what they do in certain situations, you know, it's kind of like if they come out with a goal line offense, you don't need to be in prevent defense, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in those same logical ways, that's what you're building your game plan around what we know they do, what they don't do. And every now and then you might see a wrinkle is what they call a wrinkle is when they show you that formation and they do something that they've never showed on film. Yeah. You know, then that's where you come back and you're coaching and trying to get it on that little sheet in between the series. Hey, man, they came up and gave us this look and stuff, but he didn't go inside, man. He released straight up the field. I had to, I had to carry him up the scene before I could get to the flat because if not, I would he would have been open. That's a midstream adjustment. So those are alignments and assignments, but the technique is, did you keep your inside leverage on him? No. I had my outside leverage. Well, that's the problem why he was able to release inside and get over there so quick because you wasn't inside. That's a technique thing. Say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they have cracked the science of sparkle, creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but are just grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off, priced so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. So again, you know, technique is is really how you win at this game. It is. It really is. And I think that's something going forward for the Detroit Lions that is going to be good because of all the former players in the coaching room. They know their technique. You have a guy like Antoine Randall L, a phenomenal yeah. receiver. He knows technique. He yeah. can teach that to the receivers, and it's working. Look at Amon Ross St. Brown, 90 yards on eight receptions last week. He is leading all rookies in the month of December in yardage. He's third in the NFL in receiving yards among all players this month. That mm. kid is good. Yeah, he's good. And, and you know, Randell is and he actually are similar in, in in how they play, you know, but definitely Randell was a playmaker, you know, so it's not surprising. Again, Chris was involved in every hire too, even at those positions. They talked about that. 
Okay, that's good yeah. to know too. Because oh, oh man, listen, it, it actually—I'll be honest with you, Jack. I suspected it, but I appreciated Chris saying what it was and what it is because now that gives me more confidence. Honestly, yeah, because yeah. it's not a CPA <laughs> that's making that call. You get what I'm saying? I and do. I'm not saying that there's not financial people that don't have, that's not astute about the game. But I'm talking about the Detroit Lions. And I'm not saying they didn't have that with Mike McMillan. I'm not saying they didn't have it with Patricia. I think the culture differences of where the, where the league is now is one of the adjustments that they still have to make. But from a football standpoint, they really do have a football football guy in their ear, and Chris Billman. I will say that shit. Chris Billman is a football guy. He he is that. So in that, I give kudos to the Lions. I do believe that you know there's still some other input that they need to have because just being culturally just straightforward. You know, there was a TikTok that I was actually watching. And it was Denzel Washington talking. And he was in a little sit-down chat, looked like with some students, uh, some journalists, and another panel that was with him. And Denzel was saying that he feels that an African-American should tell African-American stories by film, documentary. And they say, well, why is that? Why should it be an African-American? He said, well, let's talk about it. He says, um, Sar- what's his name? Sar- Sarkeesian? Sarkeesian? Uh, the guy that directed Good Godfather. Oh, Scorsese. Martin Sarkeesian. Right. He said, now, Martin Sarkeesian, oh, I'm sorry, I'm chopping up his name. He's a new guy now. <laughs> But this was his point. He said, as an Italian, he told an Italian story. He said, but Spielberg, and they said, was it the Schindler's List? Yeah. Did the Schindler's List. But Spielberg could have done Godfather, and Sarkeesian could have done the Schindler's List, and both done equally probably as good. But there's cultural differences in the story. He said, just like an African-American would understand what it is for a hot cone in the kitchen would have burning. Do you know about that, Jack? I personally don't. I would exactly. It's cultural. Right. And that's what he was saying, is that there are culturally things that we do as African-Americans that you guys have that other cultures don't understand, okay? But that's a way that African-American women straighten their hair if they're not using chemicals. They use a hot comb, which is like a metal comb that they put in in, in flames, heat it up, and they straighten the hair. If they're oh, not okay. using chemicals. Now, I'm telling you that, right? And it's giving you a perspective 
even though you've lived for decades, okay? You don't know that part. And that's the disconnect that from my time to this time, that even though the Lions or the Fords own the team, even though they've made a great job in bringing Chris and football people in it, and even with Holmes being a general manager, he understands some of the cultural things that it takes to get those guys in the locker room, but it's different. You can't have it not have that input in how you actually move forward when you have that many, and I'm not going to say cultural differences, but you have differences of perspective from a culture perspective. And unless you understand it, oh, it's football. Yes, it is football. But then if someone is, you know, celebrating Kwanzaa versus Christmas, it's Christmas, but it's a different celebration. You get what I'm saying? And those are the little things that make the environment of building a, a, a dynamic organization is when the organization accepts and says, hey, we're inclusive, everybody is a part, you know, and in our days, and I'll say this again, and I said in Chuck Smith's face, I remember one time when I went up to the office, it was on the Thursday, and I had found out that they were going to black out the game in Detroit so that the people in Detroit would not see our game. And we might have had about eight to 9,000 tickets that wasn't sold. Well, first of all, you're talking about a stadium that, you know, held 80,000 when you put it at capacity. We got 69,000 people in the stadium every week, win or lose. So you're making the money. And I said, Chuck, why? Well, you know, Jerry, we got to have certain tickets. I said, man, well, why don't y'all give those tickets to the boys club, to the schools, to the band, to all these auxiliary groups, to nonprofits and all that? And you can write that off and then everybody in the region get to see the game. Chuck Smith literally said this. I am we are not trying to be everything to everybody. Now, that was his response. Wow. Now, from an organization standpoint, to have a guy make that type of statement, but then when the community of Detroit is predominantly black, what do you mean? But now you're down in the city of Detroit. The same people that you said you wasn't trying to be everything to everybody, now you got your organization parked downtown. And at one time, the way that the people in Detroit looked at the Detroit line players is that only players that are interested in the city come to the city. All the rest of them stay out there in Oakland County and the lines send them to all the suburbs stuff, but don't send the players into the city. But that had to change when they moved into the city because it was culturally different being in downtown Detroit than it is in the suburban of Oakland County. So that they could see that. I promise you they've seen that difference. But from the standpoint of internal decisions 
and how they come about making decisions as a team. Yes, you make a decision for the whole team, but you have to use the consideration that if this guy is a Muslim, don't eat pork, you don't serve him pork. If this gentleman is Jewish uh, and he wants to have a kosher meal, you respect that. You get what I'm saying? I and do. it's not against anyone. It's in the basic respect of inclusion and understanding that, hey, yeah, we're different, but we come together for one cause. And I think that that's part of the message that Dan is definitely pushing through. But I think, you know, they need. And again, I'm not saying homes don't give them this perspective, but if they're not talking to African-American that don't have nothing to gain, are they getting the truth? Or are they getting what Mr. Ford said to me? Jerry, they tell me so much stuff with so much sugar on it that I get a toothache listening to them. He said that to me, meaning that he didn't trust what was being said to him because I was the only person willing to tell him the truth. You know why? Because my attitude, I'm friends with Michael Jordan. I'm friends with Isaiah Thomas. They win the championships. I want that shit. I'm friends with Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith. They win the championships. I want that shit. Okay? But then... I turn to my organization and I don't have no support. You know, even from the standpoint, if you look at, you know, during the time of the Barry and then eventually Calvin, you know, those are missteps. Those are missteps. But you take that same, those same guys and you're the same way that they take the goodwill of the player and institutionalize it for their benefit, bring them guys in. But don't just bring the names. Bring all of the players that's already there in Michigan, already wanting to be involved, get them involved by creating that platform for them to be involved, but not taking the idea that, hey, look, well, yeah, we'll call you guys. We got some appearances and things like that. No, 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 no. Bring them in and let them sit in on some of those critical meetings that you guys are having so that they could give you an unbiased perspective that might help you see past some of the past ills that you continue to carry forward so that now that you're building this new dynamic organization, that you can build it with the intent of anybody coming into the organization feeling like you just walked into heaven because there are organizations like Baltimore, the 49ers used to have this, that the Raiders, all of them, that damn, if I could just get to the 49ers or damn, if I could just get to the Raiders. Why? Because players tell you how the teams are treating you. You know, and I and, and, and believe it or not, I never, ever, ever really bash the lines to other players because I wanted the players to come play with me. You get it? Yeah. <laughs> but it was things that they would do that was just just didn't make sense but you know anyway yeah so yeah, well, that's why it was funny when they blamed you for reggie white not coming because it wasn't your fault yeah and that's why you say it all the time it's a human issue it's a humanity issue you can't exactly. move forward if you don't understand someone else's humanity 
You need to right. have those conversations. Yep. Just different motivation. And then these younger kids and stuff, I can tell you, hell, <laughs> all the reason why I'm in step is because I got millennials and daughters and got grandkids. But other than that shit, man, I don't really get it. <laughs> I don't get it all. But at least but I will. Trying. Exactly. Well, what I will do, I will not force my will on them. Because I, I give you an example, just basic lesson. So my daughter's at college. At, she's at Texas State University years back. I think it was about around 2016, 17, somewhere around there. So she's like, Dad, I need a couple hundred dollars and stuff. I said, okay, well, I'm going to send it to you and stuff. Let me go find a Western Union or a MoneyGram, you know, a Walmart to, to send it to you. She's like, Dad, you don't have to do that. I'm like, what are you talking about? She say, do you have Cash App? I'm like, no. What is that? You ever heard of Square? I said, yeah, I see that Square. Do, but do, do you have it? You download it on your phone. So I download it. Then she started telling me, she said, yeah, now you put your account in your attach. I say, girl, I'm not attaching my account to no shit like this. This is my initial response. So I eventually gave in, put it on my phone, and I sent her the $200, right? And I thought to myself, like, damn, I would have got in my car, ran to the nearest location, had to stand in line. And all I did was just pull my phone out and send her money. I'm like, shit, what else they know? (laughs) (laughs) That's why humility is so important. Just having conversations something as basic as how to send money to someone else. Hey, and and what it is is that in our generation and older, we're set in our ways. Technology and evolution of the game is the same for them. They're going to have to always make sure that they're not in the antiquated approach and approach things from looking at, is this something that actually is expanding? Is this something that is new? Is this something that we can sustain and incorporate it? And I I like to think that we are heading in that direction where those conversations are happening more and more. I'll have to be proven right. We'll have to see that. But like you talked about, the transparency from Chris Spielman in that interview, that is a first step. That is something I like to see. And hopefully... You talk about not wanting to impose your will and impose your ways on other people. But when it comes to football, we're hoping the Lions can impose their will, impose their way on the Falcons this Sunday. Yep, yep. What do you think about this Falcons team? Well, you know, the Falcons have been in some interesting uh, situations themselves this past year, you know, with their receiver, the big boy. And, you know, just them trying to get back to where they were, I guess, about three years ago. You know, to me, they were very close. You know, they were playing some good football a few years ago when they had those two backs. Um, 
Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. Yeah, and then they had uh, the guy, was it Devonta? Devonta Freeman? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they around that time when they were running them two backs, man, I thought they were going to turn the corner because they had the receiver. Their quarterback was pretty decent, you know, but they kind of unraveled themselves, look like. And I don't know if it's an age thing because I don't know exactly where they were in, in their career, but I would tell you that the Falcons has a they have a good base to build on, you know, but do I look at them as a superlative team? No. That that's exactly it. They have a good base, but there's a lot of weak points due to they fired the GM, they fired the head coach. It's a whole new organization. It right. takes time to rebuild. The Lions are a case study for that. This whole year has been a undoing of the past, rebuilding. The Falcons kind of hedged. They said, we're going to stay the course and hopefully win some games. And it didn't really work for them this year. No, no. You know, I think, you know, when you look at Dan Campbell hasn't been on the job a year when you really put it to a clock. And that's right? wild to think about. Yeah, yeah. But we also are <laughs> putting the weight of 30, 40 years of frustration on a man that only been on the job less than a year. In some ways, that's not fair, right? Yeah. But because it is sports and we in this microwave culture, Give it to me now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Billy fans. You don't, we don't, we don't have the patience that the fans used to have in the past where they knew that any coach that would be hired would get literally three years to build his team. Fourth year, he got the show or normally that's when the team going to get rid. They will give you at least three to four years to get it going in the right direction. Now you got to go right now. Now, if if Campbell is at this point next year, then you, you can't – we're not going to be able to salvage uh, our his where our perspective of his performance. Yeah. You know, but I think where the Falcons are and the Lions, they similar – but time-wise, and what you talk about, you know, assuming with both teams, new personnel, which might not be the philosophy you want to run. And, and, and a lot of that, you know, discussion happens with the owner because, you know, when you go on and sit down and talk with an owner and you go in and you tell them, say, hey, yeah, you know, I know we got Barry Sanders, but I want to throw the ball. That was Mouse Davis. Think about that. Yeah. Here's Mouse Davis, June Jones come in. We're going to run and shoot. And, man, we would light their ass up because Barry, a fullback in front of Barry, in some cases, was really an impediment because it didn't allow him to really move because he had to follow the fullback. Now, sometimes it was good when you playing against the, the Bears so that you can put a fullback on Singletary. But for the most part, you know, when you're building a team, you're looking at what you do well. And typically you try to hire a coach 
that has a similar ideology that would fit the personnel you have. But in some cases, you know, just depending on what they're doing, man, you could be upside down and, and you actually are having to work with not the most optimal personnel, but, you know, this little placeholder type situation. And I really believe with injuries and with the situation with the lines that Dan Campbell really has kept it together with some glue and paper clips because he have a lot of, and listen, gents, I'm not saying you're not a pro. I'm not saying that you're not good enough to play in the NFL. Clearly you are, gentlemen, because you're there. But sometimes personnel-wise, you're not a good fit. So sometimes you guys, or even myself, could have been a placeholder. But everywhere I went, I was a starter. Okay, so it wasn't so much that I was a placeholder as much as it is I was moving around in my latter years and I was being used to to stabilize the line from a run standpoint, and that was the intent. Yeah. Okay, (laughs) so they were matching me with their scheme when they brought me in. It takes some time to find a guy that's actually going to fit that. You know, if you're Dan Campbell and you want to run the ball like he do the double tight ends, you know, those those two tight end packages, they work. But just imagine if you had two tight ends that could really block and two tight ends that could run routes. Yeah, That's a dynamic that most defenses aren't built to deal with. Because they're going to always have a strong side and a weak side linebacker. And in most cases, if you got to bring a linebacker over a tight end, normally he's there over covering it. When he blocks is when they choose to run at him. But for the most part, he thinking coverage first. You know, especially the weak side back. But anyway, that's kind of you know, got into some other nuances and stuff. But I think for both teams, you know, they find themselves trying to find personnel that's going to fit whatever their, you know, shift is. Whatever those changes were designed for, it's going to have some player movement. Definitely this offseason. Yeah, and the Lions have a lot of money to spend this offseason. Falcons they're a little bit tighter up against the cap. So they're going to have to make some, uh, some budget shop, do some budget shopping, some uh, bargain bin shopping to find those players that fit their system. Yeah. And the lions, fortunately to fit their system, they have a couple draft picks in their back pocket to do that with, but they are no longer picking first. The lions are no longer the worst team in the NFL. L. They are two eleven and one. The Jaguars are two and twelve. The Jaguars are the worst team in football. Yeah, you know, I've heard, I, 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 after the win, I, I seen the Detroit Lions fans upset. Like, damn, we gave up the first slide. We can't do nothing right. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too, but I think. When you can get a win like that, it's just so good for morale, the team, the organization. It's worth losing that pick. 
Well, think of it like this. The only thing that you're doing is saying that I get to choose first. But here's the deal. Name me five number one picks that you that actually had great careers. Five. And and we're talking great careers too. We're not talking great. Jared exactly. Goff, former one overall. Exactly. Where it, it's it's a good career. Great. We're talking great career. Yeah. Yes. It's, I don't know if I can do it. I have to do some research. Damn right. All right. You know why? Because that number one pick is just a pick. It doesn't guarantee shit. That Barry was the number three pick. Deion, Deion Sanders was the number two pick. They year. Right? Yeah. So yeah. either one would have been a great pick. Get it? Now, that's not how it always falls in the draft. And when you start really understanding the draft aspects and the value, man, that second pick is just as valuable as that number one to another team that wants to move up to get that one guy that they want or that one guy that they need. Yeah, I, I'm i not too worried about the Lions losing draft pick capital because of wins. I will take the wins and be happy with them. And I truly believe, you look at the Texans and the Jets, they're tied at third and fourth with three and 11. I think the Lions are better than the Texans, better than the Jets. I think the Lions are still underappreciated. Well, you know, the way that I kind of look at it, I don't try to compare them head to head because I don't think in a lot of ways it's fair on teams, especially when you're talking about differences in conferences and who might have played uh, a winner schedule versus a losing schedule. And let me, I don't know if fans know about that. You know, at the end of every year, what they do, they take the teams that didn't do as well. And those are the ones that's going to be on your schedule if you didn't do well. Yeah. And teams that won, you'll see they're the ones going to play the other winning teams at the beginning of the season. And they set the schedule to create parity. Okay, so it's not so much the luck of a draw that they go over there and say, oh, we're going to pull this out of the head and, okay, they're going to play the Redskins. No, no, no. They do based on records. So you're going to see those teams like Jacksonville, the Texans, and the Lions playing each other next year because of the records. All right, and and a lot of people don't know that's how they set those teams because parity-wise, you want it to be a competitive game. Entertainment. (laughs) If you look back, that's why Tom Brady and Peyton Manning played all the time because they were the best teams. That's right, and and you you, and 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 the greatest indication is always them first few games where you'll see the NFC Championship game of a previous year be the first game on Thursday night, and then you'll see the AFC Championship teams. They'll be on Sunday night. And then you get what I'm saying? Because it leaves you right back where it started, it ended for your team. Yeah. And they're back playing that same good team. But here's the caveat in all that. And this doesn't matter to Tom Brady, anybody, but that's what makes Tom Brady, I think, probably, you know, right now, there's about four or five athletes that I think are historically significant in America 
Ali is one. Yes, he is. Okay. Jordan is another. Mm-hmm. I think um, I can go through a whole slew of basketball players. All right. But I'm talking about them one-on-ones type. <laughs> All right. Tom Brady is in that. All right. But what makes Tom Brady to me is, and, and, and I'm going to say Jordan is hard, but you only have to get two to three other people to help you win it in basketball. In football, you got to have both sides of the ball do your part. See, in boxing, it's one-on-one. You defending and you hitting. In football, the same guy that do the hitting ain't necessarily the one going to do the passing. But for a guy like Tom Brady to, like, as an example, what was the what did Tom Brady do for Tampa Bay? <laughs> Came to town and won him a Super Bowl his first year. First year. And he hit toward 50 years old, right? Yeah. But 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 what is it? Some people might say, oh, is that it? Yeah, it is a part of that it factor. But whatever it is. It rubbed off on the others. Okay? And the way that he works rubbed off on the others. And the standard that he set with the Mike Evans and Brown and the rest of them rubbed off on the others. He elevated their expectation because he said, I came to win a championship. So they mind became Fuck, we got Tom Brady in the locker room. Hell, we can win it all. And they won it all. Because no one, no one wants him. Tom Brady down. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it ain't even about letting it down, but it's about that belief system. Yeah. Or do you believe you can win it? Okay? So it's just as important every year that a team come back and establish it that we are here to win the championship. We ain't here just to get goddamn better. And it has to be championship talk. Okay? Why? Because that's the goal. What's the end goal? To win it all. All right? So when we're talking about some of the things that we see in our team, the Lions are talking about the Falcons, everybody got the, should have the same target even though you got a different approach, win it all. But a number one draft pick does not guarantee any of that shit. <laughs> no, it does it not. Is. Yeah, so yeah. so I just say, here's Tom Brady being what I'd say is definitely in the top five of my athletes that played any sport. And what round did he get drafted in? The seven? Six. The six? How many quarterbacks drafted before him? He wasn't, he, look, he wasn't the number one pick, but he damn showed the number one quarterback to ever do it. That's why pick, the pick don't guarantee shit. <laughs> 
I think there were double digit quarterbacks taken ahead of Tom. That is absurd. And and also notice this. Uh, I'm going to give you two players. I'm going to give you another player. But Tom Brady and Roger Craig are two guys that in college were okay players by the standard of every other player in college, right? But both of them had superlative pro careers. You know what that means? That means sometimes a system can stymie a player because you're not given the best possible situation. You both shim black and you want to do the shit you've been doing. You Lou Holtz, you want to do what you've been doing. You Bobby Knight, you want to run your shit like you've been running your shit, right? So a player have to adapt. But then you go to a system or a team where the system pick you on based on what they see you don't do. Very efficient. Don't give up the ball. Makes the right decisions. Don't get rattled when hit. You know, like, okay, that's what we need right here because we're not going to just win it with the arm, but we do want someone that has an efficiency, someone that can stand in that pocket because we want to throw from the pocket. We don't want to throw in the scramble. And that's all designed in the decisions. So when they're talking about the number one pick, number two pick, okay, damn, does that mean that I have to pick the best athlete or do I go get the guy that's best for what we're looking to feel that you, like if Aaron Donald right there is now, available for the draft, right? And then you have, give me Tyreek Hill, and you don't know that he's going to do what he's done in the game. You got Patrick Mahomes, all right? You don't know what he's going to do in the game, but you get the chance to draft them, not knowing that they've done what they've done in the game, right? Yeah. I, there's no way anybody else could know either. That's why the draft pick itself, whether or not you go, if the Lions had the number one pick and took the kid over there at Michigan, the lineman, that would be great for the state, but is that good for the Detroit Lions? You know, that yeah, you get, get some fans, you pick up, you'll get you'll embed some more Michigan fans. or And when I say Michigan, I mean go blue fans. You're in bed some more, but you already got them. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Now, so are we going to play it from the standpoint of the fanfare for the draft, or are we going to go get the best players? And the way that Chris and those guys are talking, or the way that it's been said, they're looking for the best player. So it don't matter what draft pick. It does, well, it does if you want to go get a certain guy that you say, hey, we want this guy. Well, of course, the earlier you pick, the more chances you have to get it. You know, so they not they still in a great position. As long as they – if they picking in that top ten, you got teams calling their ass as trying to get that pick, right? And that's when you look on another team and you look at the players, hey, look, okay, yeah, we'll swap the pick, but we want him. We want him. Because that might be that guy that's backing up Drew Bledsoe that becomes Tom Brady. <laughs> oh, and that's why I'm so excited about Brad Holmes because he's that guy that's always churning, researching. He, he is he, that dude. That you know, and and listen, 
And like I've said before, I, I'm a African-American man that is very proud of my people, my culture, even in spite of the tribulation, because what it says is that we have a sustaining will that will never die. Because as an example, you know, we keep achieving new heights. So when they made him GM, that really did make me feel good because here was a guy that had proven himself in the ranks and they didn't really look at, I hope it wasn't color, but they hired a good man that could do that job. You, you know, so on one hand, I'm proud because of that. And on the other hand, I'm proud because that dude really do scout and he really do go find those players and he can do the job. So in that way, we to me, we got a win, a double hit for both of them. You know, one, it's an African-American getting a chance to lead an organization. And two, he's a man that's built one <laughs> and it's proven that he does the work. <laughs> Double win for the Lions with the hire of Brad Holmes. And I think yeah. it'll be more wins down the road with what he builds because we believe in Brad Holmes. We believe in the Detroit Lions. Do yeah. we believe in them on Sunday, though, against the Falcons? Our friends at <laughs> Bet Online have the Falcons as five and a half point favorites. This is what I'm going to do. You know where my heart is, but I'm going to pick the damn Falcons so that we can have that charm like last week. So I'm going to take the Falcons by seven, even though it's not really hot. Well, but I'm going to say it on record. We got the Falcons for a Lions win next week. This week. <laughs> well, if you're saying the Falcons are going to win by seven, based on last week, Falcons are only going to score six points. So I'll take it. Hey, let me tell you something. Honestly, I believe that the Lions are the better team at this point. Right now at the season, I think they are the better team. And, you know, I don't know if Swift going to be back. He's at practice this week, so there's a chance. Well, but but again, I tell you, man, both them damn Reynolds played last week. man. Both, both the Reynolds played. And, and, I, and I really hope that they bring both rentals back in an active role early in the season next year. Because rentals, and then they get the other guys back, man, they could have a nice little core. It might not be the elitist, but the one damn thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to cover everybody. Because you got number 11, number 14, rentals, and, and and I apologize for not remembering the names. I know we've been the whole season, but you know, shit. Honestly, I don't be remembering things to a lot of details, but I remember the numbers because I got a photographic memory more so than just getting every one of those names. But just those three guys, and then you bring those guys that got hurt. Ooh. That's a nice. That's a nice core. And then you start talking about Reynolds, the running back with Swift and Williams. Now, they're going to have to make a real decision on Williams, though. Because, honestly, you know, it, again, I'm not saying you don't fit Williams, 
But I will say the time that you've been in the game, you've been productive. But Reynolds in the game as a backup has proven to be not only more exciting, but he has also a, a, seemed to have kind of the same effect as Swift because he can get in and out of that backfield for, for routes and things like that. But the offense runs different. It runs different. It looks a lot quicker, you know, at the point of attack. It just looks quicker. And um, I don't know if it was just this week, but we've seen the week before how well he ran the ball. But I tell you, man, that's a gem. And, you know, and, and, and again, Brad, Holmes again. Yeah, just to think yeah. that you got a starter. Literally, that kid could start on another team, on, on your practice squad. That shit there is live. I ain't bullshit. Look, I remember, and, and I don't mean to change something, but it's the same thing. So in 92, I'm actually on the Browns team, and we got a great team, right? Now on our defense, let me tell you the people that's on our defense. It's Everson Walls, cornerback. Terry Taylor, cornerback, number one draft pick. Uh, Eric Turner, safety, UCLA, number one draft pick, and Pro Bowl. And Stephon Moore from Mississippi. This boy here, when I tell you he'll knock you in the dirt, he'll knock you in the dirt. Then inside linebacker, we had Mike Johnson and a young kid named Caldwell that ended up going to play for the Eagles and starting all those years. Clay Matthews, senior. Outside linebacker, Anthony Pleasant, Rob Burnett, Micah Dean Perry, and myself, right? Studs. So, Studs all around. No, honestly, Bill Belichick had put a fucking real defense together. He put he, And he put Pepper Johnson also was a linebacker. So when you have this type of defense – you know you're going to be able to shut down good teams just because everybody can hold their own point, right? But that was this kid lighting our ass up in practice. And I'm like, God damn, who is this? I'm like, damn, who is this? And one day I went to Bill. I say, damn, Bill. I say, shit, we need to activate him. He, he killing our ass out here. It was Keenan, Keenan McCardle. <laughs> yep. That's, he was on the practice squad. And you know what he did? Left on plan B and go to Jacksonville Jaguars, end up being one of the all-time greats in the NFL, should be considered for the Hall of Fame. I know they, he and the guy, other receiver both was a great tandem, but this guy was on the practice squad. And I'm like, shit, his ass needs to be starting for us right now. Because he's going against a good defense in every practice. He lighting their ass up back there. And I'm like, who the hell is this mother? I'm like, man, y'all can't shut that shit down. <laughs> you know, and we're in practice. But that's how it is. And that's the same way that I look at this back. Reynolds, that like, man, they kept this kid around. I swear, if they don't keep him around, another team going to snatch him. And he's gonna be a great player and a great starter for them. And that's how that's that's the that's what I see. 
you know, a player that could start somewhere else, and only because they had him on the practice squad, other teams didn't get a look. But the cat is out of the bag now. Yes, it is. They you better believe me. Shit, it's a lot of there's a lot of teams don't have no back like that. That want one that can move and hit them holes that quick. A lot of backs, you know, they dipping and dabbing still in the backfield. This kid here, <laughs> gone. But anyway, that I'm I'm tired of being a fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we end the fanboyness, I do have one more point on Craig Reynolds. Go ahead. Did you know? In his first two games, he is now the Lions' all-time leader in rushing yards through two games. 195 yards past Mel Farr with that record. Mel Farr in his first two games with the Lions, 170 yards. Craig Reynolds, 195 yards. Hey, listen, kudos to Craig. And let me tell you something, Mel Farr, rest in peace. Uh, Mel Farr and my dad, and mother were friends in high school. And this is no lie. So one day I'm, and when I say friends all their life, even now, our families are very close. The Far family and my mom's family and the balls, we're like this, right? Family, right? If you look on the back of my card, it'll say cousin the male Far, right? So my father was Mel's best friend. It was Mel for Warren Wells, who played with the Raiders, and my dad. Now, my dad was a good back, but he went to the military instead of going to college. He had my older sister. But Mel Farr came in one day. We had his house one summer, and he said, boy, you don't even know you the reason I'm that you here. And I'm like, Man, what are you talking about? And he say, I ain't talking about the Detroit Lions. I'm talking about you working, walking the earth. I'm like, what you mean? He say, boy, I'm the one put your mom and your daddy together. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Farr, the matchmaker. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, when I came to Detroit, man, you know, it was nothing but love. I even worked for Mel. Uh, I actually, um, and, and none of the Fords even know this, uh, but I was in Ford's dealer's program in 1990 or between 90 and 92, right before I got traded. But it was the last year that Ford had their dealer's program and I was in it. And I was working for Mill at his dealership. And it's where I had to work like the service side. Then I had to work on the front end, the sales piece. Then I had to work in the office because that was the training that was required for it and stuff. So you said Mel, but kudos to Reynolds. I just wanted to tell that little story because that was just a little tidbit. <laughs> no kidding. It's always nice when we can merge the history of the Lions with the modern day and get a great story out of it from Jerry Ball. No doubt, no doubt. I, I've seen plenty of moons and suns rise and fall. <laughs> well, hopefully we see a wind rise and the Lions don't fall on Sunday. We're pulling for that. We are. Any final thoughts before we head out, Jerry? Well, happy holidays to everyone. And, you know, you guys be safe out there. You know that COVID is real. Yeah. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Make sure you're taking care of yourself, checking in on yourself, your family, your loved ones. 
Stay safe out there. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll see you before then. But with that, you ready to break it down, Jerry? Yeah. One, two, three. We We believe. believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.